Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Briefing Room is for anyone who wants to understand the perspective of law enforcement. It's an opportunity for us to talk about what cops are doing out on the street from day to day, why cops do what they do, and also to discuss where cops go out of bounds. When we're out on patrol, when we go to a call, when we make a traffic stop, it's not always about enforcement. What we're doing with the briefing room is we're trying to educate the public. It's not about a lecture. It's, you probably didn't know this is why the police are doing this. And hopefully we can provide the answers to our listeners. The Briefing Room launches January 27th, wherever you get your podcasts. What are we doing? Foist? Waterfall? Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was a weird intro, uh, episode four, unfortunately Alex is back this week, I know everybody enjoyed the fact he wasn't here last week when he was flirting with David Moyes and Declan Rice at West Ham's end of season awards, but he's here, Neil's here, Bow's here, and Eric Ten Hag's here, not actually here, but he's, he's, he's arrived at Man United, maybe not in Manchester, a bit confusing reports, we're going to speak about it, the, the, the Ten Hag era if you want to call it that, it started. So we're going to speak about that in a bit of detail here in the podcast. Make sure you follow the pods wherever you're listening to it. Make sure you drop a review on it. Leave a five-star review. Seriously, it will help. But lads, welcome aboard. Alex, it's, it's wonderful to have you back. I really miss you, mate. I miss you so much that he's actually muted his microphone. This is what Sorry. you get with Amazon. <laughs> well, I was Amazon. saying that the downloads are in the toilet last week. Huge, huge uh, drop in the uh, in the traffic to the podcast, but... We'll resolve that this week now that I'm back. The main event's back. Well, the main event, well, questionable question. <laughs> but the main, the main event has arrived, of course, for Eric Ten Hag. Yep. He won, he won the title with Ajax. Lovely. Little 2-2 draw on the final day with Vitesse. It doesn't really matter. But he's terminated his Ajax contract early. He's already started work. 
he could have gone out to like, where is it? Like this Caribbean Island with the Ajax team for like a postseason knees up, but he's turned that down. I mean, Neil, do you do you think that's uh, that's a, like we'll get, we'll jump straight into it? It's waste no time. We'll talk about it. Do you think that sets a sort of right tone straight away, or are we getting too are we getting too excited too quickly? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you can't can't argue turning down a, a Caribbean holiday to go to work. It doesn't make him sound like much of a laugh, though. I mean, you could say, yeah, the work ethic's probably all there, but I don't know. You may want to relax a little bit because it's going to get it's, it's sort of it's going to be it's been plain sailing for him, really, in Ajax, isn't it? I mean, not really. Like they, 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 they only in. won the title in the second game, right? Last yeah, true. Time. I mean, like he's walking into he's walking into a bit of a furnace now. So I imagine he probably wouldn't have hurt to have a bit of a rest before he comes. I to think it. he probably will have a rest, but I think it's just uh, by the looks of it, he's getting a week's. I don't know what you call it. What the hell is he going to do this week? With this week, Bal? Obviously, we, we play against Crystal Palace on Sunday. We'll speak about that. Uh, the season ender. Can't wait for to get to lose two 0 at Selhurst Park, really, and then get uh, Europa Conference League. Uh, but what do you reckon he's going to do in this week? I think it's not so much just this week. It's obviously, obviously, from Sunday onwards, the season finishes and the player's gone. So, is there, is it a case of this couple of players where whose contracts are up? Does he want to have the opportunity to speak to them one to one before they're essentially gone, and he either has to traipse around Europe finding them, or it's done remotely? I hope one of them isn't Pogba, as we just discussed. I hope that's done and dusted. But I think I've got the only, I've got a feeling that's the potentially the only one who he's going to want to try and keep. If if there is still a chance there, you think you think there's a chance that he wants to keep him? I, I mean, out of all the players leaving, he's the only one still in his prime. He's the only one still. If he was under contract, would fetch a substantial transfer fee given mm. his marketability, et cetera, et cetera. And as we've discussed before, there's no doubt there's a very good player there. He's just a knob. <laughs> and everything that kind of, the circus that kind of preludes him, goes, comes, comes with him, has kind of overshadowed everything that was supposed to happen when he came in. Um, but I think that that could be the only realistic thing that I can see as to why he would come in. Yeah. Maybe an end of season debrief with Ralph. Maybe he just doesn't like the sunshine. Maybe he just doesn't mm. like the Caribbean. I mean, he might not. Alex. Quite he, pale. He, might, he might just prefer moody, grey skies, which is obviously why he's joined United, right? I mean, it's, I also read like, given obviously the fact that West Ham dropped points, and he's the incoming manager. Players that he might, for example, potentially be bringing with him from Ajax, they'll say, okay, well, if we're playing Europa League, I'll come. If we're in the Conference League, I'm not coming. So that that could be an issue. So winning on Sunday could be an imperative thing that get their that eyes no the and win the three no points. Difference. They're both. I mean, they're both be, Mickey Mouse competitions. It makes no difference. Like we're talking about. Hey, it's like choosing shit or, or, or a different shade of shit. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Surely that's not going to be the. the I mean, look, for if, any player. I think if we're in the Conference League, if we're in the Conference League, the majority of the big players probably will just get rested though for those games anyway, won't they? Like that seems to be the general consensus. Uh, that that's not I mean, the draw of coming to United for anyone who plays at Ajax or who, who has played under Ten Hag, the the draw is it's a massive step up in size of club. It's a, obviously a massive challenge and it's a massive increase in salary. I think the competition we're in makes no difference. Unless it's the Champions League, which then, you know, gives you an advantage. Yeah. I'm not just limiting that to Ajax somewhere, but I mean look if look Ibrahimovic, Pogba, Mikatarian all came under Mourinho's first season. Oh, I thought you were suggesting we well, re-sign all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I take Zlatan back, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, just for the song. Just like for that. the song alone. 
Yeah, it's true. Um, but a curious question now, I'll ask you. If you had a choice, what would you choose for next year? Would you would you choose Europa League or would you choose Conference League? Well, I think Europa Conference League is like the absolute definition of a tin pot competition, isn't it? It's like, for, <laughs> for the, I mean, it is the, like, that would be about as far as this club could possibly fall. I mean, you know, other than like relegation in the 70s. But, but I'm just but thinking, for, so, first of all, for the, for, for, yeah, for us, for us, I, th- I think that would be amazing. You'd end up going to some place like Malta or Cyprus or the deepest, darkest parts of Eastern Europe. You know, I think, I think, and Bal, we know you'll go to all of them. So like for you, I think that might be amazing, but I think you, you get that in Europa anyway, especially in the group stages. You know, we went to, uh, what was it, Kazakhstan? And, well, we won't be going to Ukraine anytime soon, that's for sure. But uh, Belgrade was the best recently. <laughs> I didn't go to that. Um, I don't know. I suppose, I think the quality of the Europa League has probably increased over the last couple of years. I think as, as a competition, I think it's improved. It's still nowhere near what the Champions League is, but a few years ago, you really just looked down on it. And I think because you can get into the Champions League now... Yeah, it's a launch pad, isn't it? it I little... mean, clubs like Sevilla, yeah. they've, absolutely, they've, blossomed, they they've blossomed into a... Uh, you know, proper Villarreal, Sevilla, they've blossomed into actual sort of... not I wouldn't say powerhouses, but really competitive football clubs on, on the back of the success and the sort of fame and notoriety they got from that competition. So mm. it's not like the League Cup. I think it, 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 it can allow you to spring... Spring as a springboard onto onto bigger things, obviously being the Champions League. And but for us, we've got to be back in Champions League next season. We can't have more than one year out. I mean, if you, if you look at the benefit Villarreal had, they won the Europa League, and they went straight into pot one, yeah. where they avoided all of the big. We boys. did too, didn't we? Yes, every, if you if you win the Europa League, you go straight into. Yeah, yeah. but I'm saying with Villarreal, had they not won the Europa League, they probably would have ended up in pot three or four, and they would have had two big boys in their group. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, then the probability of them getting through the groups and getting all the way to the semi-finals isn't going to be as great. So now this is not me saying you win the Europa League, you you get a much better chance of win the Champions League. You just get a, a probably a slightly easier group because you're gonna you, you're gonna avoid all the champions and then you're only going to get one out of pot one or two. So pot two, sorry. I, sp- I suppose the reason I asked that about the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, Neil, was because you can. People will point towards Klopp's first full season. He didn't have any European football at all, did he? Um, just focus on the team, helped play one game a week, blah, blah, blah. But if you play the Europa Conference League, you really can just look at it as a as like a youth competition, can't it's you? Carabao like, you Cup, really, isn't it? For... You re- pure Carabao Cup. You can rest Ronaldo. He's never playing in that until like maybe the semis or the finals. Would that help United in some way? There's still, there's still going to be an element of first-team players who are going to have to travel. And it's still going to be Thursday-Sunday football. Yeah, you can't name an unlimited. Is, is, you can't is, name is, an unlimited is, squad, can you? You can't just name. Is the Conference League on Thursday as well? Yeah. yeah. But oh, okay, right. so it doesn't really make that much of a difference either way. Not on Channel Five anymore. Yeah, all... I mean, you still say we're looking down on the Europa, or we used to look down on Europa. That's because we weren't in it. You know, we 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 were looking down on it because we were in the Champions League. Now we don't. We it's convenient for us to, you know, give it some respect now because that's kind of our level. But I think the Europa. I think that is. The conference is just, that's a bridge too far. I just don't want to be, I'd rather, I'd rather finish 10th, honestly, than have to do that. I just, you're right. It's just, it's symbolically just awful. It's, it's a bad, bad thing to have to be in. <laughs> well, there's no real science behind that. I just think it's a really bad thing. A bit like you tried in the finals in Prague. It's a bad thing. Say again? It's a bit like you drinking on a Sunday. It's a bad thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I'm quite slow today. Yeah. yeah. What are you saying, Bal? 
So the the finals in Prague for the Conference League. That's the oh, look, league. take it all back. I love the Conference League. The Conference League is probably where United should play next year. Well, the other and the Europa League is uh, Budapest. Oh shit, that's yeah. a hard choice. Right, given a choice, where are you going, Budapest or Prague? I've been Budapest. So I'd rather go Prague. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of fun in both cities. Let's put it that way. Right, <laughs> <laughs> tune into episode five to find out what what Bal did in Budapest. Named after him, isn't it? Bal de Pest. That's the funniest thing you've ever well, said. Yeah. Mate. Been uh, working uh, on it. Look, I look, that, you with, 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 with Ten Hag, right? There's a lot of things. I mean, I'm probably more excited than your average man uh, when it comes to Ten Hag. Uh, and, but there's one thing that he said that really sort of struck a chord with me. I'll read the quote out. He said, I, I had choices to work at a different club than Manchester United with a better foundation, but I chose Manchester United. Things have to get addressed there, and that's a challenge. The club and me are on the same wavelength about how I want to do this. And Alex, I remember you saying this in a previous podcast. Once upon a time, you didn't have to ask a player whether they wanted to play for Manchester United. It was a rhetorical question. And players who were at the club, they they wanted to be there. So the fact that Ten Hag has openly said there, yeah, man, I had different offers. I could have gone somewhere else. The structure's already there. Success would probably come quicker. But he's got the ambition to go, you know what? No, I, I can build that at United. And I'm, I'm confident in myself because his whole legacy relies on it. If, he, if he's crap at United, he'll just be another one of those Dutch managers who dominated in the Eredivisie and then left and wasn't as good, right? So the fact that he said that for me is is quite a big yeah, thing. Well, I mean, he's got a, a, some, a, a slightly different situation to some other people who have come and failed at United, whereas they had... You right, mate? <laughs> whereas they had uh, like Woodward and and you know all the failures that that, that his sort of transfer policy had, and you know pe- people like sort of Jose went to United, and by the end it was really really toxic, and he, he looked like a finished manager. But since he's left, he's uh, he's obviously proved that he's he's still a decent manager, and I think a lot of the things that he said have been proven right about you know the lack of investment and the sort of stubbornness of Woodward, and the fact that he didn't have a vision for how the football club should be run and it was all very haphazard. I think Van Gaal said the same things and we've made a lot of very talented footballers and very talented managers look shit. Um, Now it looks like, um, you know, obviously Woodward's gone. It looks as though Arnold is is wielding the sword and, and, um, you know, a lot of people have left. I don't know. I I think in one of your videos you were talking about it recently, but, um, you know, lots of people have left all the way down to like player personnel and player personnel staff who, you know, obviously the, the, the three lead scouts have gone. So it seems like um, we're building from the foundation up. And I, I'm guessing that um, Rangnick will have had would have had a say in a lot of that. So he's uh, he's making foundational changes um, or he's at least or he's, he's at least giving insights that are leading to that. But he doesn't have the fallback of, well, it's Woodward and the transfer investment's been shit um, that some other people might have had pre- you know, previously. I mean, I don't think he wants that fullback. I think he'd rather have a What I'm saying is, you said his legacy is relying on it. And what I'm saying is that whereas other people have have come and and, and crashed and burned and and have have had their reputations damaged, I think temporarily, because I think it's been proven that, you know, Van Gaal and Jose were right about a lot of things they said. Look at David Moyes. I think he's proven that, okay, maybe he wasn't right for United and maybe that never would have worked. But look at where he's taken West Ham to with, with a shoestring budget, really. So, you know, what I think, what I mean about, um, Rangnick is just that he doesn't have excuses now. He's come in, he's he's put his stamp on 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 the organisation, the football club as a whole. And if in five years we are in the same sort of situation that we are now, scraping for top six, yeah. 
then it, it will be a failure. And I think it'll be an even worse indictment than it would have been if he had uh, if he had Woodward still around. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think that's but it's that it's that ambition to to put it on the line. He could totally agree. I don't know who, I and don't he's know, doing the right thing. I, don't know who, I, I mean, I think a lot of the things that are happening in the club. He's doing the right thing for us. It's, it's a perfect thing for us. It, uh, Neil, it might not be the right thing for him in the future, but it, it goes to show where his ambitions lie and, like, and what he believes in himself. Because in that interview as well, there was also a second really important point where he was asked about the legacy of what he's left behind at Ajax. And he, he went into quite a lot of detail to speak about how it wasn't just about bringing the Ajax because the Ajax always play away of football like their next I think it's Alfred Schrutt I think their new manager now was the assistant back in 2018-19 they're still going to play the Ajax way there's, there's an identity of the club which is embedded but he was talking about how we got the medical department working together with the scout and everything all these different parts of the club he was he feels he was quite responsible for bringing it all together obviously him over Mars and Van der Sar and it's it's almost like what he's done at Ajax and, and the, the legacy he feels he's left behind he feels he can repeat at United, and I've re- and if he does, it will take us back up to that top table, right? I think so. Anyway, well, I should hope so. I mean, it's the is it the aggregation of marginal gains, isn't it? That's what the British cycling team used to call it, which is just little changes, tiny, tiny, minuscule changes to steroids, diet. and <laughs> a lot more steroids, like just massively up the drugs intake. And you're gains away. with a Z, was it, Neil? Marginal. I don't gains. know if it was. I don't know if it was. I think it was quite old school. I think it was quite old school. But um, I, 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 look, I mean, you, you could, you'd have to be um, you'd have to be silly not to be really impressed with what you're saying because I mean, you, you can. I mean, he has got his star is um in the ascendancy. You get your choice. I, I yeah. and United yeah. couldn't be more different, could they? I mean, they are and always will be a football club. You know, it's all about the football. It's all about the connection with the fans. United have moved away from that, and there's a. You know, it's really symbolic. This idea that that we should have football club back on the badge and and, and all that, and and obviously the kids in the youth cup final had it. And I think that we we should we could learn a lot from Ajax and the way that they've put football first and they put the academy first and everything. Like, I think for us, it's that's probably the only thing that's tying us to our roots at the moment is the academy. But that football club was removed before the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. But still, no. You- Mate, you're right. I, I think you touched on it there, the Youth Cup final. I was going to mention it later, but it's a bit of a perfect storm right now because probably the best crop of under-18s we've had in a long time. Our academy, you know, our academy has been crap. For, for If you're looking at successes over the last 10 years, you're not going to look towards a first team for anything. But you can look towards the redevelopment of our academy over the last five, six years as a real success. You know, John, Mur- John Murto played a big role in that, actually. Uh, then Nicky Butt did, then Nick Cox has come in. I'm going to do a video on it at some point, but it's Bit, it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, but, you know, Kobe Mainu coming through, just signed his first professional contract mm-hmm. today, actually. Uh, Garnacho obviously getting two in the final. You've got Hansen, who looks good. You've got uh, Bennett, who scored in the final as a captain. It's the perfect time for a manager like Eric Ten Hag, who's not really... Look, we've had plenty of youth team debuts over the last seven or eight years, but you can throw Donald Love in there, Paddy McNair, Tyler Blackett, Cam- Borthwick, Jackson, that, all these ones that happened and just disappeared. But this crop now, they've got to be buzzing about Eric Ten Hag coming in, surely, because he doesn't—he hasn't just used youth players at Ajax. He's turned the likes of Graven Birch, Timber, De Ligt, uh, Donny van der Beek, De Jong. He's turned them, he's taken them from academy players yeah. to be properly top-level, properly top-level players. And that's something that he's done through coaching. So the, these academy players got to be excited, haven't they? Hmm. Yeah, for them, it's... They're working with, they'll have a chance to work with a coach who, as you just said, does promote the youth um, and does give them the opportunity to to excel on playing, give them a platform to do so. 
but you just kind of got to be a bit careful because there's such a massive fall off in terms of the step up from where the level they're playing off at, at the moment to even the end of 23s to the first team where you'll see a player absolutely shining the shining light completely under 23s put him into the first team and he's a fish out of water so we've just got to be slightly careful and they need to be managed in that sense um sometimes you might think most often than not as we've kind of seen with the likes of Rashford Greenwood Pogba Raval Morrison back then you saw the the players who prime for first team football in their teens late teens um but the the big thing is 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 the physicality of the game will change for them and and how they handle that i mean Dylan Levitt he's done really well up in Scotland yeah will he go straight will he go back into the under 23s it's will he continue on to play first team football it's it's hard it's, to, it's hard to say how many you're completely right there that that transition i i still don't know what the right path is for for youngsters whether it's just to go through the academy teams play with the others but if you spoke Neil uh, Nick Cox, sorry, who's the head of the academy, he was saying about if you look at the average age of Manchester United's teams, I think it's about 16 for the under-18s and for the under-23s, it's about 17, 18 because all the players are shipped out on loan. It's because they realise that the gap between under-23s and first team, it's just an impossible gap that you have to bridge with successful loan spells. But you can probably count, I think, on one hand, successful loan spells that have happened to United players over the last like five, six years. There's been so many that have just kind of like have disappeared. Ethan Lair has been a good one hey, uh, at Swansea. Huh? Ghana. Ghana. Ghana's been a great one. Mm. Uh, Dylan Levitt obviously is up for, I think he's won Dundee, uh, Dundee's Player of the Year. Ahmad, he's in the European final. Let's just enjoy that. I don't know what Fecunda Pilistri's done out uh, in Levante, but hopefully, I think they just got relegated, didn't they? Or was it Alvarez? Sod knows. He's in, the, he's in the Liga. But I hope it works out for them because, yeah, I think Alex is right. That's one of the only things that has been kept to the the identity of the club is the youth. You know, we still have uh, it, it's it's almost look, sort of overlooked as a record now. But we've had a fucking youth player in our every single squad since like thirty seven, and it's 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 unreal. And and we're still going through that. And I think Ten Hag is the perfect man to to bridge that. Hopefully, with the players he brings in three or four, and with some of these young players coming through it, because I don't think we'll sign a fullback this year, and I think we need one. Yeah. So you've got to look at players like Alvaro Fernandez and Ethan Laird to sort of boost our options, isn't it, right? Isn't it 4,000 games also what we're seeing in a row, right? Yeah, it's over, yeah. Way, way over 4,000 games. I think what, what also what we're seeing, with, as you just said, the re- reassur- re- resurgence of the youth team and the, the lower ages is as a result of United who had literally no threat from City in regards to the youth setups, etc., but as soon as the Abu Dhabi lot came in, they plunged masses of amounts of money into their youth setup, and a lot of the United players, actually United players, their kids go uh, playing yeah. in City Academy, playing in City Academy. I think all the they've created that like little United a lot, a lot of the United teams. I think they still play at Lee Sports Village, etc. Whereas City have built like a whole complex where from youth team academy up to first team, everybody plays at the same place. Yep. So I think that is United react, reactively acting shit. Their strategy, get act together their strategy's been really smart, hasn't it? From, from day one, like, Oh yeah. You know, <clears throat> re- regenerate and, re- and rejuvenate that part of the city, 
you know, appeal to to the youngsters. I think the the fact that they've got better facility, facilities than us from youth youth setup all the way up to the to the first team, and obviously the women's team is uh, is, is brilliant as well. It's just they've uh, they've run it as a really sort of successful visionary business, whereas obviously we've just been seen as a cash cow by uh, by well, the current owners. What, what what they've done is they've effectively got the right people in the right positions to make the right decisions. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. And they spent well. I mean, investment has gone up in the academy over the last few years. More investments needed. We we've heard about these master plans for a new Old Trafford. There's also master plans for Carrington because Carrington is man. Shit, I don't know if anything's happened at Carrington for a long time. Carrington has looked like Carrington as it as it is for a long, long time. I don't know what they maybe. I think they've got like some new medical bits, but facility wise, blown out the water. But that's clearly changed because if you look at the players that we brought in, the likes of. Um, Garnacho, we brought in from Atletico Madrid, I think. Uh, you've got Hannibal Medbury, who some we brought in as well. There's, we we seem to be good at identifying these good youngsters, whilst also having players like Kobe Mainu coming through. Uh, Charlie McNeil, we managed to get from City. So things, hopefully, in the next few years can start coming through because I don't think our academy has been that good for a while. So it, it's in a good place, right? But, um, but you can you can easily say that across the board as well. If, of course, it's reflective but, of the club, right? I mean, no, but you say like, if you look at the other clubs, you could say, well, Trent at Liverpool, Foden at City, in terms of actually established themselves as proper first team players. Who else? That's a good question. At either yeah, club. Reece James at Chelsea would be one, right? Yeah, good. Yeah, he's great. Mount. Oh, Neil, you're alive. You're awake. Yeah. How are you doing, man? <laughs> so, I mean, but but Chelsea have always had a massive conveyor belt. Of youth players, I think. If you, yeah, because they've had like four hundred people out on loan. Yeah, so they always have that. I think Gal Kakuta's still on loan. <laughs> Remember in Gal Kakuta? What, what What was that Dutch team that they sent? Was it Vitesse? They sent their whole team to constantly. I think it was Vitesse. Fun fact. Um, but look back to back to Ten Hag, right? So say say he's so he's doesn't officially apparently start until the end of the season. Until obviously the Ragnik's got one game left. Crystal Palace, I suppose we should talk about that. Uh, that's on Sunday at four, I think, isn't it? Um, I mean, Patrick Vieira is up for manager of the year. I think that's a fair nomination. I think what he's done at, at Palace this season, if to, to go from where they were playing under Roy Hodgson to how they're playing now is um, is such a shift. Uh, I think they're excited. I think they'll probably beat us. I'll be honest, and I'm, I'm not being massively pessimistic in that. I would probably predict us to lose at Selhurst Park. What do you reckon, Alex? Are we all going? Well, supposedly. Yeah. You're going, obviously, Bal. No, I'm not actually. I'm going to my sister's for dinner. Oh, probably be probably be more entertaining, mate, and uh, and less depressing. But uh, no, I think I think we'll probably get a result. We need a point, don't we? To no, we don't actually, do we? We need more. We need to win, do we? To get six. No, I don't think get, uh, whatever West Ham do, we just need to get a better result. As long as Good we West win, Ham fight. What we two points we ahead of them? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, I'll pull yeah, the table two, up I think we're two it. points ahead, but they've got a far better goal difference than our yeah. like one plus one. <laughs> they, ours is quite literally one. Got, yeah. Jesus I don't know. I think yeah. I think I'm being optimistic again, but I think we'll go there and and get a win. Maybe uh, maybe Ronaldo gets uh, is on a mission to try and catch up for the golden boot. I think he needs like four, doesn't he, to to, to tie Salah? So yeah, good luck with that, mate. West Ham got Brighton. West Ham got Brighton. We're home or away? Uh, away, away. Oh, they're definitely losing that one. Yeah. Well, Brighton are Probably awful not. at home. They only uh, they only they only beat teams like United. <laughs> I think I think that was the first uh, first win since Christmas or something, wasn't it? At home, but 
they scored like they scored like twenty five percent of their goals at home in that game. So. Oh, brilliant! But uh, yeah, I'm I'm saying we're going to go there and win two 0 Two 0 All right. What do you reckon about? I think we'll win purely because, as you said, Ten Hag being around the club this week. I think the emphasis will be the fact that if you're not here next year, fuck off. Well, do, do you reckon he'll be there? He's denied it. I think he'll be around so in some capacity. I'd hope. I'd like to think so, given the fact that he's said he's not going to the Caribbean with Ajax. Well, what, if he's not coming to Manchester, he's not going to be in and around the team. What's the point? Yeah. Well, he just made a bunch of excuses. So no way. It's like when you go to stay at your mates and you say, oh, I'm staying there and your mate is primed to say he's staying at your house. So no one knows where he is. Which is having a, <laughs> yeah, he's having um, a couple of weeks. He's going to have his, have his trotters up playing PlayStation for a couple of weeks. Do you still do that, Neil? Yeah, I, thought, I think we'll win as well. Yeah, mate, I still do that. I still <laughs> do that. And my parents still haven't sussed. <laughs> Ah, right. There's something we've got to talk about. We'll talk about it briefly because only because I want to because I, I want to have the discussion after. But uh, Neil Custis from The Sun this week came out with a story of... Uh, hey, you, Fat Man. Yeah, Fat Man. Custard. I like calling him Neil Custard. Not It's not as if he's going to listen to this podcast. But he's saying that uh, there was a fight at Carrington this week. And Samuel Luckhurst from Manchester Evening News. It was fucking weird today. He posted an article where he's like, look, I can't name the players. And then he started to leak. Like, it was like a, you know, remember LA Noir, that game? Mm. You get like clues. He was like, well, one's quite old and one quite young. And one likes a fight. There's a gap. It's like, what the fuck did you just, Yeah, he just started laying loads of these like riddles. And I was like, fucking hell, just say who it that is. One number, surname is Lingard. Number six, French. Sometimes dyes his hair blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm giving I'm you. I'm not giving you any more. <laughs> we can put Jesse X. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, right. Do you, I mean, do you reckon this fight, we don't know who it is, but do you reckon the idea, what do you think about the idea of a fight at Old Trafford, not Old Trafford, at Carrington? Big fan of it. Concept. Yeah, just, I don't know, just, do you, would you, would, would it be a good thing? Would it be a bad thing? Well, surely a be? bad thing. It's, it's work, isn't it? You know, fighting at work is normally frowned upon, right? Well, unless you're in the UFC, right? Well, I guess, yeah. Well, I suppose, yeah, there, there is that. But I, I, it's probably a bad thing, Sam, let's be honest. I mean, to... Players trying to knock seven bales of shit out of each other is not normally seen as a positive. Is it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it reported that, or or was this just speculation on social media that it was Maguire giving Lingard what for for saying he does he's refusing to play the final game or something? Is that just that's, Twitter speculation? Yeah. That's it, it's all like it's like erotic novels. It's like seven different narratives that people are giving. Uh, so it's like Fred giving it to <laughs> Tellez, and then it's and then it's Hannibal Medjbury getting an elbow from someone else. It's like no one knows, and it's pure speculation. I want to clarify that. Here, uh, but you think erotic <laughs> novels are at Carrington, all right? Then, Sam, you don't, you don't, well, I, I like a good erotic novel. Yeah, I, I think we should, I think we should start our own rumor, try and come up with something really outlandish. I don't go for it then. I don't think it's Lingard anyway, given how remember he reacted on the bus at West Ham and he's <laughs> mom, mom, and doing his putting his videos on. He ain't gonna be a fighter, it'll be a while. You, you see, Lingard. I tried not to be that, like, I felt like I was going to be an angry English dad if I was going to reply to it. But when he replied to Mark Noble saying, oh, you took yeah. me under your wing at West Ham. It's like, mate, you were like 29. Like, how how big is, A, is how big is Noble's wing? And see, why are you getting under there? Like, you're an established senior professional. You, you shouldn't need being, ta- anyway, that kind of pissed me off because I think it was his way of throwing shade in, towards, oh, look at the send-off that Mark Noble got that I didn't. I didn't read too much into that, really. I just thought he was just trying to say a nice thing and just chose his words. You know, ineffectively, take me under the wing. Is like, well, it made me feel welcome. Yeah, maybe. I think, yeah, I, I maybe I'm being harsh. I think you are being I'm, harsh. You just want to see a fight, mate. You just want blood. Well, speaking of that, right? I asked you this before, Neil. So you've told me this, right? So, who would be the best fight 
at Manchester United. Now, I wanted two current squad players, but you you think you've got a better one? Yeah, I definitely have. Squad. I definitely have. And it's uh, it's Stan versus Vidic. Oh, we've already had this discussion, haven't we? Have we? Stan, Stan would there. just walk through him, I'm telling you. Yeah, I think he probably would. No, he's made out no, different like that. I don't think he'd give up. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, I think when he starts bleeding, I'll get back up. I think Stan... You wouldn't, you wouldn't back against Stan, but yeah, you're right. Quite like see have Luke, Luke Shaw against one of the dinner ladies or something when they say <laughs> you're cut off, yeah, custard machines off. <laughs> who do you reckon could out? Who who do you reckon could beat Ibrahimovic? Anybody? N- the whole uh, squad combined. I'm not sure that anyone. I reckon Mark Hughes, any of the '94 team, majority of and, them. And men. against Ibrahimovic, what happens men. in that scrap? Slatan kicks his head off. <laughs> Put, but surely puts he his collar his up. And goes, oh, revoir, and kicks his head off. Ah, but look, yeah, I suppose the idea of a fight, I don't know whether it was just uh, Neil Custard taking advantage of the narrative around Manchester United at the moment or whether it did happen, but I found it quite funny. I'll, I'll be honest, I found it quite funny. A lot funny. of Custard references you... on this pod. We might might be getting sponsored pretty soon. I quite like Custard, although people, some weird people like cold Custard, which I don't really understand. Hmm? Rotten. It's disgusting. Mm. I don't really think they're human, but you know. If you've got hot know. apple pie uh, or apple crumble, it needs something cold with it, right? No, hot custard. It's got to be hot. Well, you just like, open the tin and you just pour it in. Sick. Absolutely sick. Anyway, don't, don't tell me you don't get conversation. big issues today. We really are. Got really big issues. I never sold a big issue. Uh, also, another talking point. But look, uh, it, we're now heading in towards the summer, right? We've got like four, I don't know, four or five days till the end of the season. We all know that recruitment at United has been an absolute shit show for a long, long time. So many misses, rare hits. And if you look at Liverpool and City and their record in the last six years, it has been directly, not responsible, but at least in part towards their success. So I think in an ideal world, right, this summer we make four signings. I'll be interested to know from you lot, um, which position do you you feel is most important? Because I genuinely think there is an argument a, a kind of a fair argument for every single position as to whether it's the most important. It's just, it depends what you think is the biggest hole inside the United squad. Uh, Alex, what do you, what do you reckon? Like, Cause I think we need a defensive mid, a central mid, uh, a, like a versatile yeah. forward, somebody who can play number nine and probably play on the wing. And also a central. Can I only back. pick one position? Oh, no, <laughs> if you're going to choose one as a priority. Uh, central midfield, mate. Yeah. Need some legs in there. Cause I think, you know, Maguire, obviously, you know, my opinion about Maguire, I think you, sh- you pretty much share my opinion, but, there's no way he and whoever's partnering him are as bad as they've looked this season. They've conceded more goals than almost anybody in the top half of the league, even even some of the teams in the bottom half. Burnley have conceded six yeah, less than United six fewer. this season. Uh, grammar police. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I think I think you know we need legs in central midfield. I mean, when without Fred and we're not, you know, Fred's no well beater, but he's a reliable player, and if we can get a, two perhaps two bodies in there who are equally as committed and equally as sort of you know fit as him then uh, it'll take some of the pressure off those lads at the back. So would you say like more of a, a ball winner rather than like a, a playmaker? Yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think I think we can get by with uh, Bruno. And I mean, who knows what's happening with Pogba. I still secretly hope he stays. But, um, you know, if we had them two in the squad. It's not a very good secret. You just literally told us. It's not particularly secret. I didn't say it was a secret, did I? You just quite literally, quote unquote, I secretly hope he stays. Well, quietly hope he stays then. All right. But, uh, there you go. Grab a place coming back to the party. Laughing from the word viewer. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's legs in midfield, ball winners, you know, actual, actual competent footballers in their prime in the middle, of, in the most important position on the pitch. 
Bow, what do you think? Yeah, I would go centre midfield purely for the fact that the number of bodies we're protecting, we're losing from that position. I.e., Lingard's going okay. He play, doesn't replay really centre midfield exactly, but in that central position, Lingard, Mata, Matic, more than likely, and hopefully Pogba. That's four gone. Four central players gone straight away, and then who, what are you left with? Fred, McTominay, Bruno. And Donny, Bruno's a stretch. Yeah. Donny's kind of a stretch. In terms well, of they'll, they'll play, they'll, they'll play more century. So yeah, we are going to be massively under resourced there. But one, one, I reckon one like top half Premier League standard player in that in that list that you just just gave out is Fred. Everyone, yeah. all the others are just. I mean, obviously not including Bruno and Pogba, but Matic. I, and I'd love. To, I mean, Tomine. Sometimes, like for example, James Garner, he's he's evidently going to come back now. I don't think. He'll be loaned back out again. Nope. I mean, he's had a year and a half now at Forest, so this is a chance where he'll have, he'll, have, he'll definitely get a chance in pre-season. To, does can he force his way into the team? Um, I personally think a keepers for me is is right back. Yeah, um, and a lot of that is if you look at how City and Liverpool play, a lot of their attacks come from. And the delivery comes from their fullbacks going forward. If you, if you have that going forward, your your forward players, like your your wide forward players, your Sanchos, your Rashfords, can suddenly get in and in and around Ronaldo. But at the moment, the, the likes of Delot and Tellers put balls in, and there's no one within ten foot of him. So he's trying to win one header against three people, but it's square square pegs in round holes. I mean, I think I hope. Wambasaka's. I, I don't think we're going to get anywhere near what we paid for him. Talk is you're probably going loan back to Palace. I um, think that'll be great. I think uh, I think that would, that would suit Palace. I think you. I think he'll go back to being Wambasaka at Palace. Uh, I think he's decent at what he does, but mm. just not good enough as a modern fullback for what we need. I, I just think. I think United have got to sort their spine before mm. they sort they, they sort the edges. If you know what I mean. I think fullbacks so crucial, but I just yeah. don't know if we can get it all done in the same summer. For me, for me, this summer the most important thing is getting rid of a lot of this squad who don't want to be there. So this okay, this is my base of what I'm working with. Now let's add to this. Whatever you can do in the summer, you try and do. Do, do you think we can afford to not qualify for Champions League again next season? If you if we if we do like as you're saying, and and I I agree with you completely that the first priority needs to be get you know clearing out the dead wood or whatever, but. You know, we need to we need to strengthen, and we need to like come back because teams like Spurs and Arsenal they're they're moving away from us all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, if you look at look at Spurs, Spurs have now obviously under Conte they're playing what with three attacking football, three attacking players, and everybody else pretty much a defensive minded player. But those three at top are are lightning quick, and and they get up that pitch in in a matter of seconds. And then their for- the wing backs come flying forward, and they're probably unlucky not to win at Anfield. They balance the play; they probably create the better chances. Um, even though Klopp still moan like a bitch. Um, Good at that, but um, understand him. But yeah, it's I, I don't know if if you if we are going to do this cultural reboot and say, well, we're going to do it properly. Then if it takes two years, it takes two years. If that means sponsors lose a bit of money, so what? Yeah, I, I don't think the measure of success for, that, for sorry for Ten Hag next season should be anything to do with 
any sort of finish in the league or any sort of silverware. It's really? it's like you, you United yeah. United have got to, we, we have to accept that this is a proper five year plan. Like we can't just fucking change our mind after eighteen months. How, how patient will the Glazers be? Though? I mean, what? Why did they? Why did they sack Oli? And you know, uh, if, but, if we have the same run of results under Ten Hag, you know what what happens then if we're if we're eighth in the league next season? I mean, I mean, the likeliness is that we won't. That that's the point. Really? I don't think it will ever. Re- I don't think we'll ever reach that point of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think there might be dips. There it's will been be worse dips. since he left, dip. hasn't it? Of course, it has because we've got a supply teacher <laughs> and 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 a, and, and a bunch of, and a bunch of players who know that and and they just it's like we're well, not going to be in three months. Why do I give a shit? I, I don't care. I'm I'm fine as I am. Sure. But Neil, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether you agree with me that or not. But I for for the life of me, I'm and I'm going to try and push this as 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 a narrative that I want United fans to have is that. Mate, don't be focusing next year on, on where we finish. It's like just watch that team week in, week out, and see if there's a consistency to the football because that's what we haven't had. We have we're great one week and we're shit one week, and it, and it's like Jekyll and Hyde United. We need to have a level of like turn into a Dennis Irwin FC, just a constant seven out of ten. That's what United need to do next season instead of being nine out of ten one week, one out of ten for the two games after, and then eight out of ten the week after that. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think that will happen under Ten Hag. I think he'll bring a level of consistency. It might not be good enough at the start, but I think we've got to stick to it now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the narrative, I mean, obviously, we're going to want to win something. We've been starved. I mean, it'd be nice. It would be nice. And I don't think it's inconceivable. But there's a convenient narrative now, at least, which is, <laughs> once again, it's start of a start of a new project, which oh, we still, you know, that's that has been what you've just described is how I've justified watching this team week in, week out for a few years now, which is like, okay, we're seeing, we're moving forward. There's a gradual improvement. And that, that isn't actually enough anymore. And I think that but the, the narrative is convenient enough for Ten Hag because that, that's, that is it. They're, they're literally ripping it up. Like you can see from the, all the, the ex, you know, the, um, all, all the backroom staff, the amount of people going that the infrastructure is changing completely. So he will be forgiven for a bit of a stumble early doors as long as you're right. As long as we see some progress, then I suppose mostly we'll be happy, but I'd say champions league. Is we'd we'd need to be pushing for Champions League for it to be a success. Yeah. We need to get back. I think to the, Champions the match League. going fans and it, it sounds ridiculous, but they just want to see a bit of effort and quote unquote passion I within an SH. Yeah. But but when you look at City, they've set the bar so high. They just signed some like twenty two year old cyborg who's going to be banging in goals for the next ten years. You know how how do we close the gap to them? I mean, do, do, does does Pep have to leave? Does Klopp have to leave? Is it going to take 10, 15 years? I mean, how long is it going to take with this cultural reboot to get back up there? Because they, they've, I mean, set, they've set the bar higher than I think even we could un- under Fergie. And is there going to be another cultural reboot in three or four years? Yeah, exactly. that like we're just in a cycle of culturally rebooting. You know? I don't know. City, I mean, City almost, I don't know. United can't really focus on our rivals falling off in order for us to catch up. But they kind of do because City and Liverpool have gone so far ahead of everybody that if they can somehow... And, and the thing that City have managed to do with this squad is their cycle has lasted a long fucking time. Like, they've they've managed to keep building on top and on top. Was it like four titles in five years if they win this season? Like, they, they've their level of consistency they've brought is is up there with the best that there's been in the Premier League. And that's it's hard to pill, bit of pill to swallow, but it's just the fucking truth. Yeah, but then if you look at what the way Liverpool did it is they bought very well. If you look at, I was speaking to a mate of mine the other day, 
Klopp's early early signings were, I think, the first full season were Wijnaldum from relegated Newcastle and Firmino, who then became integral to essentially how Liverpool played as a team. Yeah, Wijnaldum went on a free, but then they had Fabinho, they got Thiago. But that's later down the point where you're then adding what we were saying, the, the cherries to the icing to the cake, Yeah, where you've got to build that fat foundation. And I think there is a base there at United that he can work with. Yeah, there absolutely is. Like we said, we were saying all the time, we've got a good bunch of collective individuals. Not sure. So you, now start, you, start co- you start coaching those individuals to play a certain way, then you I, are going to get an improvement. Look, I think the thing is, is that nobody can really measure at United. It might just be, you're right there, recruitment is everything. Recruitment is a thing that can change everything inside that squad. Shit, they're changing everything outside of it. New manager, new backroom staff, new, new everything. It's all about the right players coming in. And I think one thing that we, obviously we won't know until it happens, we don't know how quick that could happen. If United make like two or three or four really good signings, and they all click because they've been profiled correctly, scouted correctly, and signed correctly for the right reasons. We don't know how quickly we might see a turnaround because mm. it might be quicker than we all think. It's just it's the it's the great unknown, and it's because City and Liverpool have been so successful at doing it. It's like fuck, we've got to do yeah. it. But one, but what we're speaking about there about real quality, we're speaking about midfielders. You may as well have a little conversation here about Frankie De Jong, right? Because that's come up in the last week or so. When I first saw it, I was like, no, oh, here we go. It's just one of those, oh, you're just lazy journalism linking the ex-Ajax players. But then I spoke to Graham Hunter, uh, the journalist this week, and the more you dive into Barca's finances, they are fucked with a proper capital F. Like their, their, cap, their spending cap at the moment is minus 144 million. They've got to sell in order to buy. Coutinho to Liverpool, that reduces their wages. Dembele might be leaving. But Graham Hunter was explaining that Frankie de Jong is the only player inside that Barca squad that they could get between like 50 and 80 million for and the fans wouldn't kick off about. Like they couldn't sell Gavi or Pedri or anybody they're building this new team around. You know, uh, Alex, what do you think about Frankie? First of all, do you think there's any chance of it happening? And B, would that be a signing you think, all right, that could change, that, that's, that could be the start of something new. That, that's the first change that we need. I saw your interview with Graham Hunter. What a life he's got, by the way. Just living in Spain, <laughs> watching lovely. football and then chatting to people like you with his sunglasses on in the sun. Like, brilliant. Um, yeah, look, I mean, there's usually no smoke without fire. I, I, to be honest, I've not watched a lot of him. I've, I mean, obviously, I've seen him playing Champions League games and, and Europa League games and things occasionally, but Graham Hunter didn't seem all that sold on him. Um, whether he's, no. you know, whether he's the oracle for all things Spanish football or not, probably up for debate. But, um, you know, the fact that the Barca fans would be quite happy to see him go. I think he said that, Jabby would like to keep him because I think he said Jabby sort of sees the potential in him and sees a bit of himself in him in terms of, you know, coming in and being a bit small, being undersized and having to, you know, sort of grow into your frame and build muscle and, and become strong enough to play um, that position in, in, in a league like La Liga and in, in, in the highest sort of highest level in the Champions League. But, um, you know, there's, there's usually no smoke without fire. So it's probably something that could happen. I'm not necessarily that sold on it just based on, the gut feeling that he uh, he might not be all that good. <laughs> when you look at the three of them, De Ligt, De Jong, and Van Der Beek, none of them they are all picked up, to Ajax, right? None of them have pulled up trees since they left Ajax. Yeah, but they left they, they, they left that manager. Maybe that's the difference. He knows how to get mm. a tune out of them. I, I'm, that's, I'm quite that's, bullish that's about the De Jong. I think he's he looks superb. He really does. And he's he's um, he's basically Carrick with 
with dribbling. You know, he's that kind of defensive libero sort of sort of defensive playmaker that we just haven't had since Carrick. He's played yeah. centre back a few times. Like, he's a proper yeah, versatile. He's, played, he... he's really, really versatile. And I think that that sort of versatility will play quite well for him. So he can sort of operate in different sort of positions in midfield, but we haven't had that kind of player since Carrick. We do lack that player massively from from deep who can just play that simple ball across the floor, but suddenly you go through a line and a half of the opposition mm. and you're on the we're, end of the box. Where we're so bad at those vertical yeah. passes, aren't we? We just go side to side and then we crap ourselves <laughs> and McTominay tries to do a 40-yarder across. Well, the, the your second touch is usually a tackle, isn't it? <laughs> the only thing is with this, like, I mean, I was read it, was in the, I think it was in the mirror, I think it was Chris Doyle said that he's told, you know, his, his sources have said that he doesn't want to come, he wants to stay at Barcelona. And that should rule him out. You know, we sort of said in the last, I think every, yeah, yeah. every pub we've done that if you don't want to come, don't come. That's no point trying to persuade somebody to come and join such a nascent project if you don't want to come and roll your sleeves up. So I think that if he doesn't want to come, then that's it, it's job, it's game over. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't beg him to join. I think it, it's the it's whether you think the pull of Eric Ten Hag being United's manager is more important than Champions League football next year for him. Because I think it's just those two things. The wages he's on decent. He's on great wages. To be fair, I think he would come in and be one of our top earners. But I'd be happy to do that for a player of he's twenty five. He's a sort of profile of signing I think we need to make. And I, mm. I don't look Graham Hunter. I think is fairly correctly said. Like you mentioned there, Bal. Like. He hasn't exactly progressed uh, at Barcelona. Like he's basically the same player he was at Ajax, if not a little bit less uh, of a version, because he's he's only completed like a third of the games under Xavi. He's always taken off. He's not like put as you say putting up trees. But I would be buzzing if he came to United. And I don't know whether I'm just. I think I'm just putting narratives in my head. He's gonna. He's going back with Ten Hag. It's gonna be the Ajax days. Van der Beek's gonna be great as well. But I think just that's exactly the sort of player we need. But. I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Is that because he's your twin? Just, I've just I've just looked at a picture of him. Mate, you look just like him. That is a very big compliment <laughs> to me because I am rather moggy by comparison. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I can't believe I said it in the pod. Don't take now. some editing. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to edit it. It's going to, oh, Jesus Christ. But look, uh, do you th- let's say hypothetically? Do you reckon you'll be happy when we kick off uh, first game of the season? It's like August the sixth or something, isn't it? Do you reckon you'll be happy with United's transfer business? Do you think we're going to do it this summer, or do you think it's going to be a summer where we just left at the start of the season, going, "Oh, here we go, we fucked it up again." I think we will. It's just so it's the chat has started a lot earlier, and I, there's a lot of speculation, but about it seems to be about less players. It feels a bit more laser focused on two or three. I think that it, it feels different. It does, but again, this might just be. This might just be sort of um, sort of reinforced by the fact there is so much change that you just now every, everything mm-hmm. you sort of read a little bit too much into everything. But it does feel like the targets are very clearly stated already, as opposed to maybe, maybe, maybe like there won't be another Van der Beek signing. Like actually, fuck, where'd that come from? You know, Forty million quid. Okay, he looks like he's pretty good. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, I hope it won't happen this year. But yeah, I mean, it's just like Liverpool again. I know we keep going back to it. They just get everything done. Like quick as a flash, like it's done, and then they're, and then they're in training, you know. Well, I remember back in the day, you used to sit there on deadline day with your feet up as a United fan and just point and laugh at other clubs, and then you watch what we've done with like Cavani, with Falcao, Fellaini. with Jesus, well, God, Fellaini, Igalo, my God, just there's so many deadline day signings. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go, we're doing it again. Uh, I just I want to avoid that, and I think we need to avoid that for Ten Hag, man. Like, what do you reckon, Bell? Like, it's it's not a summer where we can afford to be heading out to the pre-season tour and like, was it like 12th of July? 
mm-hmm. with like one signing. Yeah. Like we, you, you need the players in if he's going to embed them properly, right? Yeah, uh, you, you do. Given how much of a change in playing style we're going to go through, from where where what we're currently playing like to what how how we hopefully do play under Ten Hag. So yes, you're right. You want those you want those players on the flight, but it's not always easy to to do that because if you're buying a player from Barcelona, Barcelona then want to replace him, and there could be like three or four signings which are kind of a domino effect. Um, but for me, I think the a lot of it is going to be based on who goes out. Is then going to impact? Okay, well, do do we now replace that player? Um, that's going to be, I think, the the key thing f- for well, this what, window. What players do you say? Obviously, we know five that are leaving: Pop, uh, Lingard, Mata, uh, Matic, Cavani. Cavani. They're the five we know are going. Mm. Who do you reckon? Who else do you, do you see leaving? Because you could probably put Martial, Jones, Henderson, Bay, Grant. They're probably five names you could probably mm. put on the list. That, who do you actually Delock, think? Tellers, possibly. I mean, but if, if you look at, go back to when Chris Smalling left, he had a loan spell at Roma, which was successful. It was the easiest transfer of the window to do from a sell point of view. And we did it with minutes of the Italian window left. Yeah, That's how, that's how inept the people who make the decisions at this football club are in terms of selling players. Now, obviously, that was Woodward. He's now gone, so... Whether it now falls to Murto or Judge, that remains to be seen. So, Judge is going to remember that. It's very, very difficult to kind of say what is going to happen because the proof's in the pudding. Because we've been told there's all this change going on. Matt Judge has even been replying to emails from fans. Uh, I saw a couple. Yeah, well, of- Matt, Matt Judge is off. He's gone. He's vamosed. That's probably that's no, Richard Arnold. You're oh, talking so Richard about Richard Arnold. Sorry, I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Arnold. Um, so it's a case of. The proof's going to be in the pudding. I suppose, yeah, you're right. We'll we'll know by the start of the season whether these changes have actually changed anything, right? Mm -hmm. It's how we act this summer. Surely there'll be evidence for it. I'm really interested to see how Glazonomics works now that Woodward's gone. Because I I know it's not their money. I know it's the club's money. I know that, you know, they they are an absolutely cancerous uh, influence on the club. But they have spent money. I mean, I know it's our money, but they they have laid out money over the last you know, 10 years, as, as much as almost anyone. But it's been wasted on, like, overpriced stars at the end of their sort of contracts or people who just weren't the right fit. And I wonder, now that that kind of, you know, faux Galacticos style of, of Woodward is out the door and that we've got someone like um, Rangnick in there potentially pulling the strings of Ten Hag and we've got, you know, maybe we've got 100 million to spend and it's laid out on six, seven players rather than, you know, two. Um, I wonder if that, is a is a, a longer term sort of you know approach that we're going to have, and whether we're going to see a completely different United approach to the transfer market um, this summer. Well, I think if you if you look at the, I looked into the strategy behind the Glazers, and you can prove quite easily with numbers that we typically do spend more when we don't finish in the top four because the season after we're chasing it, and then when we do finish in the top four, it's only been a couple of years. Solskjaer's second year uh, happened once under Mourinho too, where we followed up with a top four finish and then invested heavy the next summer. So technically we should spend a lot. And I've spoken about this before as well. Like Van Howe got like 170 mil in his first year. Uh, the Solskjaer got like 210, because if you include Bruno in that. Um, and Mourinho got like 140 or something like that. So he should be back pretty well this summer. Hmm. And Neil, oh, shit, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think well, I, I've really... 
I, I've set myself up for a big fall. I'll be honest. Like the last, the way I've been acting the last few months is like Ten Hag is the god. He is the Messiah, and just the way I, I don't know. I'm just happy that all the changes behind the scenes have happened. You can talk about how shit we've been under Radnick if you really want to focus on the short term, but I haven't been. I've kind of overlooked that because mm-hmm. I've just been happy mm-hmm. with what's going on behind the scenes. But yeah, I mean, I hope hope the Glazers sell. Jim Ratcliffe, right? Everyone keeps talking about that. I, I genuinely think there's a chance. I don't know why people are massively dismissing Jim Ratcliffe buying United. He's literally failed to buy a Chelsea for four and a half bill. And he's a United fan. He's literally born like seven miles from Old Trafford. Well, there was that also. Yeah, I mean, he the Glazers then just came out of a number, didn't they? They're suddenly the yeah. four billion number was suddenly in. The, in the... A hundred, you're telling me that I think they invested 700 million when they bought United originally, I think. And I don't know whether that was, and then they got the rest on the loan. Uh, the loan, of course, is still, I think, around about, it's more than it was still, I think, when they than when they bought the club. So if all of a sudden they're going to get a three bit, that's why I keep talking to people. Uh, United, uh, the Glazers love it being a cash, a cash cow. If you've got something that's worth four billion and you're only taking 20 million a year, that is a like ridiculously shit yield. And, and if all of a sudden somebody comes in four bill cash and you can cash that out, that's like, let's do the maths, 20 mil, five years is 100 mil. Good luck. Times out by 10. They'd have to wait like 50, 60, 70 years worth of dividends to get the same amount that they could in one cash lump sum. You think they wouldn't be tempted by that? Hell yeah, they would, man. That's what I think. Anyway. Well, that's what, I mean, that number came from them. Good. He's got the money. Yeah. Do it. He's got 19 Please. billion, Jim Ratcliffe. Small, small change, yeah. small change. I think, I think, it, I think it'd be absolutely insane for them not to sell if they got a realistic offer for four billion. I mean, what, what, what good are they getting out of this apart from you know being the most hated family in like northwest of England and well Essex, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and just all the stress that must go along with it, and you know, dealing with crooks like Edward Wood all the time. Why would you not want to just take that money and just and just Focus on your, uh, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all your other sports investments. Well, that money has to be realised first. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking, it's very theoretical at the moment, but that offer has of to be made. Right? And then, then that, and then that's, yeah, then that, then you see, but they would. They, the they thing would is, they're, they're capitalists, right? And that is just a very, very good deal. But yeah. Man- Manchester United makes money. If you look at the commercial growth of the club the last 10 years, which has e- e- easily been the least successful on the pitch in the last 30, 40. It's just the no, mate, gone from strength to strength. No, but this, this is what I mean. Like, if you look at United's Off commercial growth, if you look at the, when Woodward came in in 2012 to 2017, our commercial growth went up like 400 million. From 2017 to 2022, it's gone down. Like, obviously, it's COVID in there for a couple of years, so there's a massive loss of match day revenue. But, like, we've stagnated. Com- but as but a other clubs have caught up. Yeah, massively. That's what I'm saying. Like, now's a good time for them to sell. It is like cash out, like, fuck off. Like, you've done your thing. I just don't see how, as you say, Neil, as capitalists, if they're sitting there with a four billion offer compared to 20 million a year dividends and you weigh those up, it's like, you're stupid, man. Take your four bill, reinvest that somewhere else. Go and buy a cricket team. Yeah, like, well, they tried, didn't they? But obviously, that four bill offer did include like a billion for the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge. So maybe it's a different sort of thing. But I don't know. Pipe dream, right? We, I was dreaming about Radnick and Ten Hag. Both of those have happened, so we can dream about Glazers selling the club, and that will be a parade. Are you suggesting, be... Sam, that your dreams are somehow coming yes. to fruition? You're no, making all I've... this happen. 
I normally have really vivid, weird dreams. Like I know everybody in my dream, but they're all different people. Like my mum's not my mum; she's someone else. It's a bit weird. Who's your mum? Just, just I don't know, like a random like dinner lady. I don't know. <laughs> I, I recognise her as my mum, but she's just a dinner lady. If we get that Ambrosia um, custard sponsorship, maybe we can put in a cheeky bid, cheeky lowball offer. <laughs> United People's Podcast buys, you know, <laughs> trades in uh, Ambrosia custard shares. <laughs> Fucking hell. Luke Shaw devastated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Custards off the menu <laughs> in the canteen. <laughs> transfer it, transfer request. <laughs> was it chips that got kicked off the menu under Moyes? Was it ketchup, ketchup, wasn't it? Ketchup. Chips ketchup, he got kicked it? out where? No, I was, no, not that. Oh, Jesus Christ. I missed the uh, Dennis story, by the way. I've still not heard it. I need to catch up. Oh, you, you missed the Dennis yeah. story. Well, you have to go listen to the last week's podcast, then, mate. <laughs> Too busy flirting with David Moore, as you were. <laughs> twat. Hey, look, I, I would read out some questions, by the way, but I'll be—I've got to be honest, people. You need—you need to be better with your questions. I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna poise my question better. Phrase my question, not poise it. Phrase my question better next year. It's a bit boring. All right. We want some some good questions next week. Weird, and I, weird questions. Weird, weird ideally, questions. yeah, weird questions uh, that we can discuss. Because it's not just about it. I mean, it is about the football, but it's, it's good to have a bit of fun. We've proven we can talk about a range of things with football and custard in this one point. I mean, cu- custard's had a lot of airtime tonight, really. So if Ambrosia does want to slip slide into my DMs, they're always open. Uh, but look, we'll wrap it up there. So that's episode four. I enjoyed that. Um, episode five will obviously be after the Crystal Palace game. I'll tell you what, we might we may as well do some sort of season awards-ish or the opposite. What What's the name of the opposite of the, uh, the Oscars? The Razzies. The Razzies. We'll do, we'll do our own little Razzies for United season. Are, are they having an end of season party, United? I mean, they've they surely are. not. They are, yeah. Are you invited to that as well? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, God, I can, I I can only squeeze into a suit once a year, Bal. That's, that's it. I'm still in pain. <laughs> to be fair, that suited like it was screaming. It was, it was. I nearly took Moisey's eye out with the button. <laughs> <laughs> like the Italian, you know, the Italian kappa shirts. <laughs> the fitting one. <laughs> Well, look, uh, cheers, lads. I appreciate it for joining for joining in today. Uh, everybody, if you have liked it, please consider uh, following the podcast on Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to it, and drop a five-star review. We'll be back next week. I reckon after we lose against Crystal Palace, but maybe I'm wrong. Two we'll now. see. And maybe Eric, maybe, Eric Ten, maybe Eric Ten Hag will be in the crowd. That'll be good. But look, take it easy, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Shelby Scott, the host of Scare You to Sleep, a podcast where I tell you scary stories full of creepy sound effects and music that is soothing yet unsettling to help immerse you into a world of horror. This is a show for those of us who have realized horror can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Speaking of escapes, sometimes I lead you through guided nightmares. Like a guided meditation, but instead of flowery meadows, I take you on a journey through your own personal nightmare. So come get lost in the terror with me. Now a proud part of the Bloody Disgusting Network, you can find Scary to Sleep wherever you get your podcasts. Sweet screams. Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.